Hello and welcome. This is 21. Episode 17.1 What were they trying to keep out? Your legs are beginning to tire. You've been riding hard for about three days now. The year is 98 BC. You are a mounted archer for the roaming tribe Xiongnu from the Mongol plains. For centuries, your tribe has taken advantage of the fact that the rich, plentiful Chinese states to your southeast were constantly fighting with each other. This allowed you to raid them periodically, once about every 10 to 20 years, but frequently enough that they were constantly reminded that you were there. You relied upon these raids to provide you with enough cattle and buffalo for your expanding tribe. It also provided you with plunder to either bribe other tribes to leave you alone, or to potentially fight with you. But things had calmed down recently. You hadn't done a raid in over a decade, and you had heard word that the Chinese states had stopped fighting with each other, that one had united them all under the same banner. But you also heard that not all the Chinese states were happy about this. There was plenty of resistance to it. This sounded like a perfect opportunity to resume raiding. Perhaps you'd find friendly peoples who would give you access to greater parts of the new Chinese empire. Perhaps your tribe could spark more civil war and re-splinter the Chinese states once again. The new Chinese empire was ripe for the plucking, and you and your tribe were going to be the ones to take advantage. You and your detachment of riders set up camp about five miles from the Chinese border. You feed, water, and bed your horse before getting some supper for yourself. You eat your fill of stew, have some tea, and lay down to rest. You can't wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow, you will join your ancestors among the great Mongol warriors who enhanced the status of his family with Chinese plunder. You wake up in the morning to the sound of horns. You quickly roll up your tent, sleeping pack, and gather your weapons. You quickly load up your horse, sling your bow over your back, and mount up. You head out towards one last hill. On the other side is the Chinese border. Your detachment is the first of the Mongol riders to crest the hill. But as you reach the top, you pull up immediately causing a ripple effect through the other riders. You hear disgruntled shouting and bewilderment throughout the riders as they wonder why you've stopped. You sit there, dumbfounded. You had heard word that there was some defensive fortifications being put up along the border, but nothing could have prepared you for what you see lying in front of you. Stretching as far as you can see in either direction is the biggest wall on the planet. The wall seems to be at least 7 meters or about 23 feet high in every direction, with watchtowers set up at intervals. The commander of the raiding party quickly arrives to the front of the line. You can tell he's furious as to why everyone has stopped, but before he gets a word out, 
he sees the wall. He too is stunned. Everyone just sits there, staring at the wall. No one makes a sound. The only thing that is heard is the wind, the cry of the eagle overhead, and the occasional snort of a horse. After what seems like an eternity, but is only in fact a few minutes, the commander orders a charge. You all yell out the battle charge and urge your horses forward. But as you get closer to the wall, the more impenetrable it looks. How are we going to go over it? You wonder to yourself. We can't go around it. It appears to be made out of solid stone and rises much higher than anything you or your horses could even think about jumping over. As you get closer, you are suddenly filled with dread as you recognize that this is a suicide mission. The first few riders begin to pull up their horses as they get close to the wall. Chinese archers suddenly come into view through the ramparts on the wall. Arrows whistle through the air and begin striking men and horses. The screams of men and animals dying immediately fills the air, and terror grips you. You whip your horse around and do your best to maneuver through the developing carnage around you. But your escape doesn't make it very far. An arrow pierces through your neck from behind, right between your helmet and your breastplate. You slump forward and fall to the ground. Your horse just keeps running forward. As you lay there, you look at the wall. This must be the longest, strongest, and tallest wall in the world, you think to yourself. Truly, it is impenetrable. This wall is one of the most familiar structures in the world, never mind the ancient world, and needs no further introduction. The Great Wall of China is the 17th wonder of the ancient world. Stretching for a total of more than 13,000 miles from the north center of the country, across mountains, plains, desert, and ending at the sea. But if you know anything about the history of the Great Wall, you might be thinking, well, wait a second. Wasn't most of the Great Wall constructed after the end of the ancient era? Like, well after? Your thinking would be correct on this. But the Great Wall is so impressive that it almost transcends time itself. But before we get into any of the details of the wonder, as always, some context first. Now, since we covered the history of the period of the Warring States in China when we talked about the Terracotta Army way back in episode 7.1, I'm not going to go into too many of those details here. If you would like or need a refresher, I'd recommend that you go back and listen to that episode. However, there are some things that I would like to cover again. Just a few of the major details, so we can understand why the Great Wall was not only impressive, but also necessary. To begin, we have to go back to the period of the Warring States in Chinese history. When this time actually begins, there's no exact date but we do know that it was sometime during the 5th century BC. There were seven major Chinese states during this time, but the only one that matters to us is the Qin. The Qin were the westernmost state and one of the wealthiest, largest, and most populated of the Chinese states. 
These factors combined to allow the Qin to conquer the other six major Chinese states when relations amongst them all broke down. The period of the Warring States was a civil war that lasted for about 200 years or so, until a man named Shi Huangdi rose to power. His ruthlessness and his generals who were making advancements in warfare gave him a strategic advantage that he needed to conquer the other city-states. He was the first emperor of a unified China and faced plenty of threats both from within and without of his new empire. One of these threats were the tribes of nomadic Mongols to the northwest. These peoples were nomads. They rode around from place to place and settled briefly where they could find food and water. But whenever they used up the food supply in that area, they would move on and find somewhere else. They were also revolutionaries in warfare. They were masters of hit-and-run attacks. Riding in on horseback, armed with powerful bows, looking for plunder, these peoples would ride into any one of the Chinese states without warning, attack villages, and kill as many people as they could find. They would ride off with their loot before anyone knew what hit them. To try and prevent these attacks, the Chinese states with borders exposed to the Mongol raids, mainly the Qin, the Zhao, and the Yan, built walls along their northern borders to try and prevent these raids. I have a map up on the website of where these walls were. Initially, these walls were successful, but during the period of the Warring States, these walls were pretty much abandoned. All the manpower that these states had were needed for the battles against the other states. The walls would begin to fall into a state of disrepair. But the new emperor knew that he had to secure those walls if he wanted to be able to consolidate his power. He couldn't fight a war both inside his borders and outside at the same time. So he undertook a massive project one that was even bigger than his project to construct an 8,000-man, or possibly even bigger, pottery army to help him conquer the underworld. This project would be to demonstrate the unification of China and unite all the fragmented wall sections into one giant barrier to protect the entire northern border from the Mongol raids. Now the logistics of such a project would be a nightmare, Connecting these walls was not something that was going to be easy. These walls went up over mountains and across the plains. Now most of the walls in China were built out of stone. Unlike ancient Mesopotamia, stone was plentiful from the mountains in the center of the country. But requiring that much stone for a project of this size would have been a monumental task. Quarrying and transporting enough stone needed for the wall would have been nearly impossible. For the Great Pyramids, for example, all the stone was going to one place. It was a monumental task, sure, but at least all the stone was fairly local. If the Chinese had attempted to quarry and transport stone across their entire empire, it would have been a task that never ended. There weren't enough waterways up from the center of the country toward the northern border to transport the stone via river. 
and transporting the stone by roads or any other method would have been slow, heavy, and deadly. So the Chinese engineers found an ingenious way around this problem. While yes, they did quarry a bunch of stone for the wall, these were mostly large blocks and were used for the exterior of the wall. For the interior, they developed a unique way to make the wall both sturdy, but also save the valuable materials needed for the exterior. The Chinese engineers built a large square block out of wood. There was no bottom or top to the box, it was just the sides. They then put this block on the ground and filled it with dirt, rubble, pieces of wood, and frankly whatever else was lying around. They would then take heavy wooden blocks, or sometimes just their feet, and trample the dirt until it was hard as stone. A large, flat, sturdy square. They would do this a number of times until the dirt wall reached the desired height. Then, they would cover the dirt wall with the stone. From the outside, you couldn't tell the difference. This wall looked as if it was made of solid stone, which was exactly the intention. This method also allowed the Chinese to begin building sections of the wall before the outer stone even got there. Chinese workmen could begin making sections of the wall in the different types of terrain throughout the Chinese borderlands. This method also allowed walls to be repaired or built entirely from scratch in record time. But the speed at which the wall was constructed came at a cost. Similarly to the workers who worked on his terracotta army, the workers who built Shi Huangdi's Great Wall did not have a choice. The men who worked on the wall were conscripted soldiers, prisoners, criminals, and outlaws. While the wall was the emperor's vision of a unified China, the men who worked on the wall saw it as something completely different. It was a death sentence. The men were worked to death in extreme conditions to get the wall built. It is estimated that up to as many as 400,000 men died building the Great Wall. And, in an almost ironic turn of events, it is said that a large number of these men were thrown into the dirt of the walls, thus becoming a part of the wall itself. Quite literally, the bodies of Chinese men were being used to protect the empire. Sadly today, little is known about the first emperor's wall. A large majority of what survives today was the result of later reconstruction or renovation. But we will get into more of that next week. The wall that Emperor Shi Huangdi built also differs from the wall that is there today. I have some maps up on the website to show the difference between the walls. The first Great Wall went from the Chinese seaport at Shanguian over 3,000 miles west to the Gansu province. The wall even overlapped at strategic points to add greater security to those regions. One of particular stretch was northwest of Beijing, and that was one section of the original route that was restored during later Chinese dynasties. But Emperor Shi Huangdi's empire was short-lived. After his death in 206 BC, his empire fell 
and a renewed civil war came. This civil war lasted for about four years until a new dynasty came to power. This dynasty was the Han Dynasty. The Han Dynasty would rule for about 400 years. They added to the Great Wall in a number of places and continued its development as a way to protect the empire. One interesting thing that we know from the Han Dynasty is how they built sections of the Great Wall through the Gobi Desert. The Gobi Desert is the coldest desert in the world, if you don't count Antarctica or anything like that. The Gobi is a harsh land, and there's not much there. But therein lies the problem with building the wall through the desert. Even the simple materials needed to build the wall were lacking in the desert. Even dirt that was useful was hard to come by. The hard-packed sands of the desert were not made ideally for building. But once again, the Chinese engineers found a unique way around this problem. What they did was they used the sand in the wall to supplement the dirt. But before they put any dirt or sand into the building block, they put a layer of rilla weeds in the bottom. These reeds might have been woven, they might not have been. We don't know for sure. But we do know that these reeds helped keep the dirt and sand at the bottom more compact and held together, thus enhancing the stability and the security of the entire wall. The builders would also add a little water to the dirt and sand mix, helping them to stick together and hold better. They would then add a layer of gravel after each portion of one section of the wall was completed. They would do this until the wall reached the desired height, then covered it with stone. We have no way of knowing when during the Han Dynasty these sections of the wall were built, but these are the oldest sections of the wall to still be standing today. This is helped by the fact that the Gobi is an incredibly dry place, but still, quite possibly more than 2,000 years old, these sections of the Great Wall show how impressive it actually was, and how brilliant the Chinese engineers were. The Han Dynasty Great Wall was longer than the original one. It stretched from the North Korean coast near Pyongyang in the east to the Jade Gate Pass in the west. I have a map of this up on the website to show just how far the wall stretched. Now the Jade Gate Pass was a strategic fort along the Silk Road, an ancient trade route that ran all the way from China to Rome over land. This was the longest the Great Wall had ever been built at this time in history, more than 8,000 kilometers, about 5,000 miles. This total length though includes many branching walls, natural barriers, and trenches that were built. But this distance doesn't even include the ramparts and watchtowers that were built at intervals along the way. The fact that the total length of the Great Wall was more than 5,000 miles by the early 3rd century AD is absolutely astonishing. Walls were built over mountains, through the desert, across the plains, and ended at the sea. The ancient Great Wall of China is something that often gets forgotten in history. We tend to only remember the wall that still stands today, the one that was built and refurbished during the Middle Ages. 
but the first Great Wall of China was a feat of engineering up there with the likes of the Great Lighthouse of Alexandria and Trajan's Bridge. Engineers way ahead of their time that created something truly remarkable, truly wondrous, something that could stand the test of time, one-of-a-kind wonders of the ancient world. The first Great Wall of China is something that is in the upper echelons of wonders of the ancient world. But sadly, it would not remain in this state. But unlike most wonders of the ancient world, the Great Wall of China would be repaired, rebuilt, and reclaim its title as a wonder of the world more than a thousand years after the first Great Wall from the mind of the first emperor was first conceived. <laughs>